0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916 633 1537, Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 9 The Evil Spell On Easter Monday, the rain began again in earnest. It was as though the elements were conspiring to ruin their short week of freedom. Jess and Leslie sat cross-legged on the porch at the Burks, watching the wheels of a passing truck shoot huge sprays of muddy water to its rear. That ain't no 55 miles per hour, Jess muttered. Just then, something came out of the window of the cab. Leslie jumped to her feet. Letterbug! She screamed after the already disappearing taillights. Jess stood up too. What do you want to do? "'What I want to do is go to Terabithia,' she said, looking out mournfully at the pouring rain. "'Heck, let's go,' he said. "'Okay,' she said, suddenly brightening. "'Why not?' She got her boots and raincoat and considered the umbrella. "'Do you think we can swing across holding the umbrella?' He shook his head. "'Nah. "'We better stop by your house and get your boots and things,' he shrugged. "'I don't have nothing that fits. "'I'll just go like this. "'I'll get you an old coat of bills.' She started up the stairs. Judy appeared in the hallway. What are you kids doing? It was the same words that Justin's mother might have used, but it didn't come out the same way. Judy's eyes were kind of fuzzed over as she spoke, and her voice sounded as though it was being broadcast from miles away. She's high. She's so high above the clouds. For those of y'all who are listening to the show who are adults. It's a lot of music in the 90s that was all about drugs we didn't know were all about drugs. If you don't believe me, check out Semi-Charm Type of Life. You're welcome. We didn't mean to bother you, Judy. That's all right. I'm stuck right now. I might as well stop. Have you had any lunch? Sigh, Judy. We can get ourselves something. Judy's eyes focused slightly. You've got your boots on. Leslie looked down at her feet. "'Oh, yeah,' she said, as though she were just noticing them herself. "'We thought we'd go out for a while.' "'Is it raining again?' "'Yeah.' "'I used to like to walk in the rain.' Judy smiled the kind of smile Maybelle did in her sleep. "'Well, if you two can manage, sure.' "'Is Bill back yet?' "'No. "'He said he wouldn't be back until late, not to worry.' Fine, she said. Oh! She said suddenly, and her eyes popped wide open. Oh! She almost ran back to her room, and the plinkety the typewriter began at once. Leslie was grinning. She came unstuck. Trust me, as a writer, that is one of the best feelings in the world when you just... It just comes to you. One of my favorite artists of all time, Fonte, he said, I don't always have the right words, but they always come to me eventually, and I'm grateful. And that's exactly how I feel. Also, check out Sin and Solace. He wondered what it would be like to have a mother whose stories were inside of her head instead of marching across the television screen all day long. He followed Leslie up the hall to where she was pulling things out of a closet. She handed him a beige raincoat and a peculiar round black woolly hat. No boots. Her voice coming up from the depths of the closet was muffled by a line of overcoats. How about a pair of clumps? A pair of What? She stuck her head out between the coats. Cleats, cleats, she produced them. They look like size 12s. Nah, I lose them in the mud. I'll just go barefoot. Hey, she said, emerging completely. Me too. The ground was cold. The icy mud sent little thrills of pain up their legs, so they ran, splashing through the puddles and slushing in the mud. P.T. bounded ahead, leaping fish-like from one brown sea to the next then turning back to herd the two and forward, nipping at their heels and further splashing their already sopping jeans. When they got to the bank of the creek, they stopped. It was an awesome sight. Like in the Ten Commandments on TV when the water came rushing into the dry path Moses had made and swept all the Egyptians away, the long dry bed of the creek was a roaring eight-foot wide sea. Sweeping before a great branch of trees, logs, and trash. Swirling about them like so many Egyptian chariots. The hungry water licking and sometimes leaping the bank. Daring them to try and confine it. Nope. Nope. You know what I'm not doing that day? I'm not swinging. I don't care if men condition comes out and sings about how I send them swinging. I ain't going over that. Nope. And when I go over it, it has to be empty. That's the rule. I'd be like, you know what's a better idea? We can imagine Terabithia at home because it's a made-up place. But they're kids. They're fifth graders. And their parents aren't helicopter parents. So their parents don't know that they've been going out to a place where eventually a creek bed will be full of rushing water. Nope. Wow. Leslie's voice was respectful. Yeah. Just looked up at the rope. It was still twisted around the branch of the crab apple tree. His stomach felt cold. Maybe we ought to forget it today. Come on, Jess, we can make it. The hood of Leslie's raincoat had fallen back, and her hair lay plastered to her forehead. She wiped her cheeks and eyes with her hand, and then untwisted the rope. She unsnapped the top of her coat with her left hand. Here, she said. Stick PT in here for me. I'll carry him, Leslie. With that raincoat, he'll slip right out the bottom. She was impatient to be gone, so Jess scooped up the sodden dog and shoved him rear first into the cave of Leslie's raincoat. You gotta hold his rear with your left arm and swing with your right, you know. I know, I know. She moved backwards to get a running start. Hold tight. Good gosh, Jess. He shut his mouth. He wanted to shut his eyes, too, but he forced himself to watch her run back, race for the bank, leap, swing, and jump off, landing gracefully on her feet on the far side. Catch! He stuck his hand out, but he was watching Leslie and P.T. and not concentrating on the rope, was slipped off the end of his fingertips and swung in a large arc out of his reach. He jumped and grabbed it, and shutting his mind to the sound inside of the water, he ran back and then speeded forward. The cold stream lapped his bare heels momentarily, but then he was in the air above it and falling awkwardly and landing on his bottom. P.T. was on him immediately, muddy paws all over the beige raincoat and pink-tongued sandpapering Jess's wet face. Leslie's eyes were sparkling. Arise, she barely swallowed a giggle. Arise, King of Terabithia, and let us proceed into our kingdom. The king of Terabithia snuffled and wiped his face on the back of his hand. I will arise, he replied with dignity, when thou removes this full dog off my gut. They went to Terabithia on Tuesday and again on Wednesday. The rain continued sporadically, so that by Wednesday, the creek had swollen to the trunk of the crabapple, and they were running through ankle-deep water to make their flight into Terabithia. And on the opposite bank, Jess was more careful to land on his feet. Sitting in cold, wet bridges for an hour was no fun, even in a Magic Kingdom. For Jess, the fear of the crossing rose with the height of the creek. Leslie never seemed to hesitate, so Jess could not hang back. But even though he could force his body to follow her, his mind hung back, wanting to cling to the crabapple tree the way Joy Sam might clean a Mama's skirt. While they were sitting in the castle on Wednesday, It began suddenly to rain so hard that water came through the top of the shack in icy streams. Jess tried to huddle away from the worst of them, but there was no escaping the miserable invaders. Dost thou know what's on my mind, O King? Leslie dumped the contents of one coffee can on the ground and put the can under the worst leak. What? Me think some evil being has put a curse on our beloved kingdom. Damn weather bureau. In the dim light he could see Leslie's face freeze into its most queenly pose, the kind of expression she usually reserved for vanquished enemies. She didn't want a kid. He instantly repented his unkingly manner. Leslie chose to ignore it. Let us go even up into the sacred grove and inquire of the spirits what this evil might be and how we must combat it. For of a truth, I perceive that this is no ordinary rain that is falling upon our kingdom. "'Right, Queen?' Jess mumbled and crawled out of the low entrance of the castle stronghold. Under the pines, even the rain lost its driving power. Without the filter light of the sun, it was almost dark, and the sound of the rain hitting the pine branches high above their heads filled the grove with a weird, tuneless music. Dread lay on Jess's stomach like a hunk of cold, undigested donut. Leslie lifted her arms and face up towards the dark green canopy. O oh, spirits of the grove, she began solemnly, we are come on behalf of our beloved kingdom, which lies even now under the spell of some evil unknown force. Give us, we beseech thee, wisdom to discern this evil and power to overcome it. She nudged Jess with her elbow. He raised his arms. Um uh he felt the point of her sharp elbow again. Um yes, please listen, thou spirits. She seemed satisfied, at least she didn't poke him again. She just stood there, quietly, as if she were listening respectfully to someone talking to her. Jess was shivering, whether from the cold or from the place, he didn't know. But he was glad when she turned to leave the grove. All he could think of was dry clothes and a cup of hot coffee, and maybe just plunking down in front of the TV for a couple of hours. He was obviously not worthy to be king of Terabithia. Whoever ever heard of a king who was scared of tall trees and a little bit of water? He swung across the creek almost too disgusted with himself to be afraid. Halfway across, he looked down and stuck his tongue out the roaring below. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Tra-la-la-la-la, he said to himself, and then quickly looked up again toward the crabapple tree. I know that one. That used to be one of my favorite cartoons on Disney. Like, Eric so often back in the 80s, Yes, I'm old. Shut up. If you felt bad about that, or if you laughed at me being old, donate. You oughta. Um, but Venmo, Derek slash or Derek dash Jones dash two. Cash App, Money Sign, Rashani, pay me for laughing. Anyhow, Disney Channel back in the day used to have like four things on it: Kids Incorporated, Old School Swiss Family, Swiss Family Robinson. DTV which was really dope that was like one cartoon that would pop up a short cartoon that would pop up in the middle of nothing like as a commercial break and they'd have like this great rock music that would happen before it and so while they had this great music playing they would then cut away to a Disney short. And I don't know if it was always Disney. I don't. I just know that it was awesome. And one of the things they did was the Three Little Pigs. But the Three Little Pigs and the Big Bad Wolf, the, the most enduring thing about it was them singing, who's afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? The Big Bad Wolf? The Big Bad Wolf? Because these weren't like the pigs in the in the book. Nah, these pigs were talking trash. Like, these were and one pigs. Like, these pigs were like, you think you got me? Nope. And then... They ended up defeating the the Big Bad Wolf. But that song, they'd sing it and they would taunt that wolf like all the time. It was messed up. And at the same time, I remember it vividly. So anyway, that was my childhood. Like that was 1984. So I was four years old when that first came out. It ain't that much of my childhood. But it continued on until like the early 90s, I think. And then it changed. Plodding up the hill through the mud and beaten down grasses, he slammed his bare feet down hard. Left, left, he addressed him inside of his head. Left my wife and forty-nine children without any gingerbread. Did I think right? Right. Right by my… Why don't we change our clothes and watch TV or something over at your house? He felt like hugging her. I'll make it some coffee, he said joyfully. Yuck, she said smiling, and began to run for the old Perkins place. That beautiful, graceful run of hers that neither mud nor water could defeat. It had seemed to Jess when he went to bed Wednesday night that he could relax. That everything's going to be alright. But he awoke in the middle of the night with the horrible realization that it was still raining. He would just have to tell Leslie that he wouldn't go to Terabithia. After all, she had told him that when she was working on the house with Bill. And he hadn't questioned her. It wasn't so much he minded telling Leslie that he was afraid to go. It was that he minded being afraid. It was as though he had been made with a great piece missing, one of Maybell's puzzles, with this huge gap where somebody's eye and cheek and jaw should have been. Lord, it would have been better to be born without an arm than to go through life with no guts. He hardly slept the rest of the night, listening to the horrid rain and knowing that no matter how high the creek came, Leslie would still want to cross it. Chapter 10, The Perfect Day He heard his dad start to pick up, brippity, brippity, brippity. Even though there was no job to go to, he left every morning early to look. Sometimes he just hung around all day at the unemployment office. On lucky days, he got picked up to unload furniture or do cleaning. Jess was awake. He might as well get up. He could milk and feed Miss Bessie and get that over with. He pulled on a t-shirt and overalls over the underwear he slept in. Where are you going? Go back to sleep, Maybelle. I can't. The rain makes too much noise. Well, get up then. Why are you so mean to me? Will you shut up, Maybelle? You'll have everyone in the whole house woke up with that big mouth of yours. Joyce Sam would have screamed, but Maybelle made a face. Oh, come on, he said. I'm just gonna milk Miss Bessie. Then maybe we can watch cartoons if we keep the sound real low. Maybelle was as scrawny as Brenda was fat. She stood a moment in the middle of the floor in her underwear, her skin white and goose bumpy. Her eyes were still drooped from sleep, and her pale brown hair stuck up all over her head like a squirrel's nest on a winter branch. That's got to be the world's ugliest kid, he thought, looking her over with genuine affection. She threw her jeans into his face. I'm going to tell Mama. He threw the jeans back at her. Tell Mama what? How you just stand there staring at me when I ain't got my clothes on? Lord, she thought he was enjoying it. Yeah, well, he said, heading for the door so she wouldn't throw anything else at him. Pretty girl like you can't hardly help myself. Look. He could hear her giggling as he crossed the kitchen. Oh, there's other ways to compliment your little sister. Oh, God, I know. Plus, it's a Virginia. Oh, twofer. Ha, ha. The shed was filled with Miss Bessie's familiar smell. He clucked her gently over and he set his stool at her flank and the pail beneath her speckled udder. The rain pounded the metal roof of the shed so that the plink of milk in the pail set up a counter rhythm. If only it would stop raining. He pressed his forehead against Miss Bessie's warm hide. He wondered idly if cows were ever scared. Really scared. He had seen Miss Bessie jitter away from P.T., but that was different. A yapping puppy at your heels is an immediate threat. But the difference between him and Miss Bessie was that when there was no PT in sight, she was perfectly content, sleepily chewing her cud. She wasn't staring down at the old Perkins place, wondering and worrying. She wasn't standing there on her tippy toes while anxiety ate holes through all of her stomachs. He stroked his forehead against her flank and sighed. If there was still water in the creek come summer, he'd ask Leslie to teach him how to swim. I'd be scared, too. Yeah, if that creek bed is full of water and I can't swim, you know what? That's a big nope, 10 for good buddy. we got going to have to form a convoy another day. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Nope. 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 Can't swim. Can't do it. Nope. How's that? He said to himself. I'll just grab that old terror by the shoulders and shake the daylights out of it. Maybe I'll even learn scuba diving. He shuddered. He may not have been born with guts, but he didn't have to die without them. Hey, maybe you could go down to the medical college and get a gut transplant. No, Doc. I got me a perfectly good heart. What I need is a gut transplant. How about it? He smiled. He'd have to tell Leslie about wanting a gut transplant. It was the kind of nonsense she appreciated. Of course. He broke the rhythm of the milking long enough to shove his hair out of his face. Of course, what I really need is a brain transplant. I know Leslie. I know she's not going to want to bite my head off or make fun of me if I say I don't want to go across again until the creek's down. All I got to say is, Leslie, I don't want to go over there today. Just like that. Easy as pie. Leslie, I don't want to go over there today. How come? How come? Because, because, well, because. I called you three times already. Maybelle was imitating Ellie's precious manner. Call me for what? Some lady wants you on the telephone. I had to get dressed to come get you. He never got phone calls. Leslie had called him exactly once, and Brenda had gone into such a song and danced with her about Jess getting a call from his Sweetheart that Leslie had decided it was simpler to come to the house and get him when she wanted to talk. Sounds kind of like Miss Edmonds. It was Miss Edmonds. Jess? Her voice flowed through the receiver. Miserable weather, isn't it? Yes, am He was scared to say more for fear that she hear the shake. I was thinking of driving down to Washington. Maybe go to the Smithsonian or the National Gallery. How would you like to keep me company? He broke out in a cold sweat. Jess? He licked his lips and shoved his hair off his face. You still there, Jess? Yes, am He tried to get a deep breath so he could keep talking. Would you like to go with me? Lord. Yes, am Do you need to get permission? She asked gently. Yes, yes'm. He had somehow managed to twist himself up in the phone cord. Yes, j Just a minute. He untangled himself, put the phone down quietly, and tiptoed into his parents' room. His mother's back made a long hump under the cotton blanket. He shook her shoulder very gently. Mama? He was almost whispering. He wanted to ask her without really waking her up. She was likely to say no if she woke up and thought about it. That was me. But it was never to go on no field trip with a teacher. It was never none of that. I shook my mom gently and whispered quietly because I knew the things that I was going to say was going to get me a whooping. Mama? 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 Yes, Derek, what? I wet the bed. Mama, 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 yes, Derek, what? I threw up. Mama, 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 yes, Derek, what? I tried to heat up the food that was in the refrigerator so I wouldn't bother you cause it was early in the morning but there was foil on top and I thought I was supposed to keep the foil on cause you said you're supposed to keep the heat in and I turned it on to three minutes but it only got to 15 seconds before electricity happened in the microwave and I threw up? You didn't throw up Derek, tell me what really happened. The kitchen's on fire And the TV said that it's best if I call 911 and they're on their way. But they want to talk to you about responsibility and not letting a six-year-old have control of the microwave when ain't nobody else awake. Also, my brother said that I was going to get radiation poisoning because the microwave is radiator. Is it a radiator? Am I going to die? And then my dad would speak up. Yes. Yes, you are. As soon as I get fully dressed and awake. That's why you whisper. She jumped at the sound but relaxed again, not fully awake. Teacher wants me to go to Washington instead of Smithsonian. Washington? The syllables were blurred. Yeah, something for school. He stroked her upper arm. Be back before too late, okay? Um. Don't worry, I done milking. Um. She pulled the blanket to her ears and turned on her stomach. Jess crept back to the phone. It's okay, Miss Edmonds. I can go. Great. I'll pick you up in 20 minutes. Just tell me how to get to your house. If you don't know how to get to his house, how you know you're going to pick him up in 20 minutes? It might be three minutes down the road from you. See, you a lie. As soon as he saw her car turn in, Jess raced out the kitchen door through the rain and met her halfway up the drive. His mother could find out the details from Maybelle after he was safely up the road. He was glad Mabel was absorbed in the TV. He didn't want her waking Mama up before he got away. He was scared to look back even after he was in the car and on the main road for fear that he'd see his mother screaming after him. It didn't occur to him until the car was past Millsburg that he might have asked Miss Edmonds if Leslie could have come too. When he thought about it, he couldn't suppress the secret pleasure of being alone in this small, cozy car with Miss Edmonds. She drove intently, both hands gripping the top of the wheel, peering forward. The wheels hummed and the windshield wiper slicked a merry rhythm. The car was warm and filled with the smell of Miss Edmonds. Jess sat with his hands clasped between his knees, the seatbelt tight across his chest. Damn rain, she said. I was going stir crazy. Yes, am he said happily. You too, huh? She gave him a quick smile. He felt dizzy from the closeness. He nodded. Have you ever been to the National Gallery? No, ma'am. He had never been to Washington before, but he hoped she wouldn't ask him that. She smiled at him again. Is this your first trip to an art gallery? Yes, am Great, she said. My life has been worthwhile after all. He didn't understand her, but he didn't care. He knew she was happy to be with him, and that was enough to know. Even in the rain, he could make out the landmarks, looking surprisingly the way the books had pictured them. The Lee Mansion high on the hill, the bridge, and twice around the circle, so we can get a good look at Abraham Lincoln looking out across the city, the White House, and the monument, and at the other end, the Capitol. Leslie has seen all these places a million times. She'd even gone to school with a girl whose father was a congressman. He thought he might tell Miss Edmonds later that Leslie was a personal friend of a real congressman. Miss Edmonds had always liked Leslie. Entering the gallery was like stepping inside the Pine Grove. The huge vaulted marble, the cool splash of the fountain, and the green growing all around. Two little children were pulled away from their mothers and was running about, screaming to each other. It was all Jess could do not to grab them and tell them how to behave in so obviously a sacred place. And then the pictures. Room after room, floor after floor. He was drunk with color and form and hugeness and with the voice and perfume of Miss Edmonds always beside him. She would bend her head down close to his face to get some explanation or to ask him a question, her black hair falling across her shoulders. Men would stare at her instead of the pictures, and just felt they must be jealous of him for being with her. They ate a late lunch in the cafeteria. When she mentioned lunch, he realized with horror that he would need money, and he didn't know how to tell her that he hadn't brought any. Didn't have any to bring for that matter. But before he had time to figure anything out, she said, Now, I'm not going to have any argument about who's paying. I'm a liberated woman, Jess Aarons. When I invite a man out, I pay. He tried to think of some way to protest without ending up with the bill, but couldn't, and found himself getting a $3 meal, which is far more than he had meant to have her spend on him. Tomorrow, he would check out with Leslie how he should have handled things. After lunch, they trotted through the drizzle to the Smithsonian to see the dinosaurs and the Indians. There they came across a display case holding a miniature scene of Indians dressed in buffalo skins, scaring a herd of buffalo into stampeding over a cliff to their death with more Indians waiting below to butcher and skin them. It was a three-dimensional nightmare version of some of his own drawings. He felt a frightening sense of kinship with it. Fascinating, isn't it? Miss Edmund said, her hair brushing his cheek as she leaned over to look at it. He touched his cheek. Yes, am to himself, he said, I don't think I like it, but he could hardly pull himself away. When they came out of the building, it was in the brilliant spring sunshine. Jess blinked his eyes against the glare and the glisten. Wow, Miss Edmund said, a miracle. Behold the sun. I was beginning to think she had gone into a cave and vowed never to return like the Japanese myth. He felt good again. All the way home in the sunshine, Miss Edmonds told funny stories about going to college one year in Japan, where all the boys had been shorter than she, and she hadn't known how to use the toilets. He relaxed. He had so much to tell Leslie and ask her. It didn't matter how angry his mother was, she'd get over it, and it was worth it. This one perfect day of his life was worth anything he had to pay. One dip in the road before the old Perkins place, he said, "'Just let me out the road, Miss Edmonds. Don't try and turn in. You might get stuck in the mud.' Okay, Jess, she said. She pulled over to his road. Thank you for a beautiful day. The western sun danced on the windshield, dazzling his eyes. He turned and looked Miss Edmonds full in the face. No, ma'am. His voice sounded squeaky and strange. He cleared his throat. <clears> throat. No, ma'am. Thank you. Well, he hated to leave without being able to actually really thank her, but the words were not coming for him now. Later, of course, they would, when he was lying in bed or sitting in the castle. Well, he opened the door and got out. See you next Friday. She nodded, smiling. See ya. He watched the car go out of sight and then turned and ran with all his might to his house. The joy jiggling inside of him so hard that he wouldn't have been surprised if the speed had just taken off from the ground, the way they sometimes did in dreams and floated him right over the roof. He was all the way into the kitchen before he realized that something was wrong. His dad's pickup had been outside the door, but he hadn't taken it in until he came into the room and found them all sitting there. His parents and the little girls at the kitchen table and Ellie and Brenda on the couch. No eating. There was no food on the table. Not watching TV. It wasn't even turned on. He stood unmoving for a second while they stared at him. Suddenly, his mother let out a great shuddering sob. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She said it over and over again, her head down in her arms. His father moved to put his arm around her awkwardly, but he didn't take his eyes off Jess. I told you it had just gone off somewhere, Maybelle said quietly and stubbornly, as though she had repeated it often and no one had believed her. He squinted his eyes as though trying to peer down a dark drainpipe. He didn't even know what question to ask them. What? He tried to begin. Brenda's pouting voice broke in. Your girlfriend's dead. What? What? (laughs) This is a children's book? Uh (sighs) Brenda's pouting voice broke in. Your girlfriend's dead, and Mama thought you were dead too. This is the children's book. I mean, I know in the 70s in old Yeller, they killed the dog. and But kids read this in school? Okay. Chapter 11. No. Something whirled around inside Jets' head. He opened his mouth, but it was dry and no words came out. He jerked his hair from one face to the next for someone to help him. Finally, his father spoke his big rough hand stroking his wife's hair and his eyes downcast watching the motion. They found the Burke girl this morning down the creek. No, he said, finding his voice. Leslie wouldn't drown. She could swim real good. That old rope you kids were swinging on broke. His father went on quietly and relentlessly on. They think she must have hit her head on something when she fell. No, he shook his head. No, his father looked up. I'm real sorry, boy. No, Jess was screaming now. I don't believe you, you're, you're, you're lying to me. He looked around wildly for someone to agree, but they all had their heads down except Maybelle, whose eyes were wide with terror. But Leslie, what if you die? No, he said straight to Maybell, It's a lie. Leslie, Leslie ain't dead. He turned around and ran out the door, letting the scream bang sharply against the house. He ran down the gravel to the main road and then started running west away from Washington and Millsburg and the old Perkins place. An approaching car beeped and swerved and beeped again, but he hardly noticed. Leslie dead. Girlfriend broke broke fell you 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 the words exploded in his head like corn against the sides of the popper god dead you leslie dead you he ran until he was stumbling but he kept on afraid to stop knowing somehow the running was the only thing that could keep leslie from being dead it was up to him he had to keep running Behind him came the periphery of the pickup, but he couldn't turn around. He tried to run faster, but his father passed him and stopped the pickup just ahead, then jumped out and ran back. He picked Jess up in his arms as though he was a baby for the first time. For the first few seconds, Jess kicked and struggled against his strong arms, then Jess gave himself over to the numbness that was buzzing to be let out from a corner of his brain. He leaned his weight upon the door of the pickup and let his head thud, thud against the window. His father drove stiffly without speaking, though once he cleared his throat as though he was going to say something. But he glanced at Jess and closed his mouth. When they pulled up at his house, his father sat quietly and Jess could feel the man's uncertainty. So he opened the door and got out and with the numbness flooding through him, went in and lay down on his bed. He was awake, jerked suddenly into consciousness in the black stillness of the house. He sat up, stiff and shivering. Although he was fully dressed from his windbreaker down to his sneakers, he could hear the breathing of the little girls in the next bed, strangely loud and uneven in the quiet. Some dream must have awakened him, but he could not remember it. He could only remember the mood of dread it had brought with it. Through the curtainless window he could see the lopsided moon with hundreds of stars dancing in bright attendance It came into his mind that someone had told him that Leslie was dead but he knew now that had been part of the dreadful dream Leslie could not die any more than he himself could die the invincibility of children Oh can't even swim and you're swinging over that rope that rope has been there forever and you're swinging over that creek You don't think to look for things in the water, you're going to live forever." But the words turned over uneasily in his mind like leaves stirred up by a cold wind. If he got up now and went down to the old Perkins place and knocked on the door, Leslie would come to open it, P.T. jumping at her heels like a star around the moon. It was a beautiful night. Perhaps they could run over the hill and across the fields to the stream and swing themselves into Terabithia. They had never been there in the dark, but there was enough moon for them to find their way into the castle, and he could tell her about his day in Washington and and apologize. It had been so dumb of him not to ask if Leslie could go too. He and Leslie and Miss Edmonds could have had a wonderful day. Different, of course, from the day he and Miss Edmonds had had, but still good, still perfect. Miss Edmonds and Leslie liked each other a lot. It would have been fun to have Leslie along. I'm really sorry, Leslie. He took off his jacket and his sneakers and crawled under the covers. I was dumb not to think of asking. It's okay, Leslie would say. I've been to Washington thousands of times. Did you ever see the buffalo hunt? Somehow, it was the one thing in all Washington that Leslie had never seen, so he could tell her about it, describing a tiny beast hurtling to destruction. His stomach suddenly felt cold. It had something to do with Buffalo, with falling, with death, with the reason he had not remembered to ask if Leslie could go with him to Washington today. You know something weird? What? Leslie asked. I was scared to come to Terabithia this morning. The coldness threatened to spread up from his stomach. He turned over and lay on it. Perhaps it would be better not to think about Leslie right now. He would go to see her the first thing in the morning and explain everything. he could explain it better in the daytime, when he is shaking off the effects of his unremembered nightmare. He put his mind to remembering the day in Washington, working on details of pictures and statues, dredging up the sound of Miss Edmund's voice recalling his own exact words and her exact answers. Occasionally into the corner of his mind's vision would come a sensation of falling, but he pushed it away with the view of another picture or the sound of another conversation. Tomorrow he must share it all with Leslie. The next thing he was aware of was the sun streaming through a window. The little girl's bed was only rumpled covers and there was movement and quiet talking from the kitchen. Lord, poor Miss Bessie. He had forgotten about her last night and now it must be late. He felt for his sneakers and shoved his feet over the hills without tying the laces. His mother looked up quickly from the stove at the sound of him. Her face was set for a question, but she just nodded her head at him. The coldness began to come back. I forgot Miss Bessie. Your daddy's milking her. I forgot last night, too. She kept nodding her head. Your daddy did it for you. But it wasn't an accusation. You feel like some breakfast? Maybe that was why his stomach felt so odd. He hadn't had anything to eat since the ice cream Miss Edmonds had bought them at Millsburg on the way home. Brenda and Ellie stared up at him from the table. The little girls turned from their cartoon show at the TV to look at him and then turned quickly back. He sat down on the bench. His mother put a plate full of pancakes in front of him. He couldn't remember the last time she had made pancakes. He doused them with syrup and began to eat. They tasted marvelous. You don't even care, do you? Brenda was watching from across the table. He looked at her puzzled, his mouth full. If Jimmy Dix died, I, I wouldn't be able to eat a bite. Why do you think he doesn't care, Brenda? He's in fifth grade. His best friend. His only friend. And he's not gonna accept it because he's in the fifth grade. And if he had done one thing differently, if he had done one thing differently, she'd be alive. If he had done one thing, if he had asked her to go If he had told her about his fears, if he had asked her to go watch TV with him, she'd still be there. And that's the guilt that's going through her head, through his head. That's the guilt that's going through his head and he doesn't know how to deal with it because he's in the fifth grade. He's a little kid dealing with the death of a friend that he thought they were gonna live forever. How dare you, Brenda? How could you? Oh my gosh. That is just so uncalled for. (sighs) If Jimmy Dix died, I wouldn't be able to eat a bite. He's still not even, he's still coping with the belief that his friend was dead. He still doesn't want to believe it. And you just want to kick the reality into his head. How dare you? The coldness crawled up inside of him and flopped over. Will you shut your mouth, Brenda Aarons? His mother sprang forward. The pancake turner held threateningly high. Well, Mama, he's just sitting there eating pancakes like nothing happened. I would be crying my eyes out. Ellie was looking first at Miss Aarons and then at Brenda. Boys ain't supposed to cry at times like this, are they, Mama? God. God, how messed up were the kids from the 60s, the 70s, the 40s, the 20s? When they were told that you're not supposed to cry to just swallow it down, these boys were told that you shouldn't cry, just swallow it down. And they passed on that sickness, that illness to us, to me, to you. Well, it don't seem right for him to be sitting here eating like a brood sow. I'm telling you, Brenda, if you don't shut your mouth. He could hear them talking, but they were farther away than the memory of the dream. He ate and he chewed and he swallowed. And when his mother put three more pancakes on his plate... He ate them too. His father came in with the milk. He poured it carefully into the empty cider jugs and put them into the refrigerator. Then he washed his hands at the sink and came to the table. As he passed Jess, he put his hand lightly on the boy's shoulder. He wasn't angry about the milking. Jess was only dimly aware that his parents were looking at each other and then at him. Miss Aaron's gave Brenda a hard look and gave Mr. Aaron's a look, which was to say that Brenda was to be kept quiet. But Jess was only thinking of how good the pancakes had been and hoping his mother would put down some more in front of him. He knew somehow that he shouldn't ask for more, but he was disappointed that she didn't give him any. He thought then that he should get up and leave the table, but he wasn't sure where he was supposed to go or what he was supposed to do. Your mother and I thought we ought to go down to the neighbors and pay respects. I'm sorry, y'all. This is hard. This is hard because of this is hard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your mother and I thought we ought to go down to the neighbors and pay respects. His father cleared his throat. (laughs) throat) I thought it would be fitting for you to go too, he stopped again. Seeing you was the only one who really knew the little girl. Jess tried to understand what his father was saying to him, but he felt stupid. What little girl? He mumbled it, knowing it was the wrong thing to ask. Brenda and Ellie both gasped. His father leaned down the table and put his big hand on top of Jesse's hand. He gave his wife a quick troubled look. But she just stood there, her eyes full of pain, saying nothing. Your friend Leslie is dead, Jesse. You need to understand that. Jess slid his hand out from under his father's. He got up from his table. <laughs> I know it ain't an easy thing. Jess could hear his father speaking as he went into the bedroom. He came back out with his windbreaker on. You ready to go now? His father got up quickly. His mother took off her apron and patted her hair. maybelle jumped up from the rug. I want to go too, she said. I never seen a dead person before. No. Maybelle sat down again as though slapped down by her mother's voice. We don't even know where she laid out at, Maybelle, mister Aaron said more gently. 633 6, 1537 Ratchet, Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like eight seconds. You can also leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that into the Good Pods group and then copy and paste that into the Apple Podcast app. <laughs> you can donate to the show on patreon.com slash simulcast or on buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. <sighs> Thank you all so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.